On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. My name is Dimitri Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Cam Robinson. Cam, what's going on, man? Hey, Dim. Uh, not too much, bud. Just uh, excited for a little Saturday morning podcast here. That's right. And also joining us for making his first appearance on the PDO cast. I'm excited about it is my, is my buddy Chris Meany. Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I love this podcast. You guys are both studs, and I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and join you guys. And I think you got the best podcast name in the biz. So it's oh, uh, fantastic. Man. I like it. You're, you're coming out of the gate hot. We're looking for a, for a second invitation to the podcast at this rate. So, so we're right. off to a good start. Um, so we're recording this Saturday morning. We're going to post it immediately. Hopefully, people can listen by Saturday afternoon. I know it's going to be a busy weekend for people's drafts and stuff. And so hopefully, we'll be able to provide them with, uh, with some names, some, some, some guys they can target, um, to win their drafts and get one up on their friends. Uh, also, uh, even if you don't play in fantasy pools, hopefully you're going to find use out of this podcast. Cause we're just going to talk about a bunch of breakout candidates and, and names we like this season and, and players to watch out for. So even just for, for casual kind of regular fans that aren't playing in fantasy pools, uh, there's going to be some, some actionable advice here and kind of to prepare you for the coming season. So we have a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, let's start right out of the gate. Chris, I'm going to let you go first as, as a, a first time appearance in the PDO cast. Give me uh give me a name. We can start with breakout candidates and go from there. Give me, give me someone that you're excited about that you think um, people aren't talking about nearly enough that has massive upside this season. Oh, I don't know if uh, people aren't talking about the Florida Panthers, but I'm just going to start there. Like, I really like this squad uh, quite a bit. I think that they're going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL. And I don't know if people are are just sleeping on on Sam Bennett, but he had a very, very strong small sample size with the Florida Panthers last season. And you could really just see the difference between the two when he was with Calgary as somebody who was averaging 13 minutes per game, 30 seconds on the power play. And then he goes over to Florida and he really just thrives in, in a big role. And whether you're drafting in, in high stakes leagues, which count hits, underdog fantasy, you know, he's he's still a, a ninth, tenth round pick. And I think he could be a, a top 40 player, uh, a top 40 skater. If you are playing in leagues with hits, sure. But even in not, you see the difference from the 15 games, he had seven goals and 20 points. I'm including the playoff games there. He had three power people power play points. He averaged 20 minutes and 55 seconds overall. Now, I don't think he's like, if you put that on pace for 82 games. I don't think he's going to have over a hundred points and flirt with 40 goals that he's not going to be able to keep up that, that pace that he was on 15% shooting rate. But this is a guy who's going to play inside the top six. He had well over a minute per game on the power play with the Panthers. I like the addition of Sam Reinhardt. I think this, they got four lines that could really come at you in waves. So Bennett is a, is he's definitely a a target of mine. 3.8 shots per game and 3.1 hits hits per game in in those 15 contests. He's a guy that can cover a lot of categories. I'm really excited about him and the entire Panther squad. Cam, 
I had Bennett on my list as well. I, I don't really know how to um, handle him heading into this season, though, in terms of my expectations, because as Chris uh, illustrated there, it was such a, a a massive disparity between how he he looked and performed in Calgary, uh, even you know in years past, compared to the ten regular season games or so that he played with the Panthers. Uh, and the thing is, is it's like those 10 games for the Panthers. I think it's only like 120 minute five on five sample size. Uh, the, the percentages are, are insane, right? Like I think he had a 982 five on five on ice save percentage or something behind him. Like it was just, everything was going their way at the same time. It makes sense playing with Huberto. They looked amazing together. All of his um, other sort of predictive measures in terms of the shot volume they were generating, how much they were carrying the puck, everything was through the roof. And so it makes you think that for whatever reason, um, you know, we talk all the time about environments and fits for whatever reason, he fit perfectly in the system playing next to Huberto. How do we kind of stack the the two Sam Bennett um, resumes that we have here and how much should we buy into that 10 game sample and try to project it forward? And do you think that, um, you know, the latter is more predictive than the former? Yeah, it's it's tough. I figured that that Bennett was going to come up, so I didn't even put any notes down on him today. But uh, you know, it's interesting. He did look obviously looked excellent uh, with Huberto on you know quote unquote the second line there, playing on the top power play is going to be a juicy spot. Um, I, I expect that to maintain just coming off how red hot he was to finish the year. But you know, small sample sizes they're they're tough to really get a gauge on, especially when a player moves teams. I feel like when a player moves teams, it can go one of two ways, right? It can go like this where they just hit the adrenaline fueled bender and go off for a ton of points and everything clicks right and it's like here we go this is the fit we've been waiting for you know 18 year old sam bennett has finally arrived at 25 but then you know the the opposite of that is like remember when james neal 100 years ago went to pittsburgh and i think got like one point in 25 games and we're like what this guy was supposed to score 30 next to sid um and then it took him a little bit to get going and then warm-up came the next year um so such a small sample size i'm a little i'm i'm hesitant i'm hesitant to think that we're we're looking at you know Obviously, I don't think we're looking at 100-point players where he was clicking at. Um, but, you know, he he had offensive opportunities in Calgary, a ton of them. They tried their their very best to put him in a situation to succeed, and it just didn't work. Um, now, that could have been situational, uh, and now he's in, in sunny Florida, and he's feeling good, and he's got a good team around him. But I, I'm still going to hedge my bet a little bit there that I could see him struggle out of the gate and lose that top power play job pretty quickly because they have so many options in Florida. So, you know... Could he be a top 40 player? Like he, he potentially could, right? Uh, I'm I'm a little more bearish on him in the in the regard that I think that he's probably more in the middle of where we're hoping and and what we're expecting and what we we've seen so far. So um I like some other options there ahead of him. Um obviously the big guys, uh Carter's playing up on the first line, but he's on the second power play, and he's probably the guy that's gonna gonna wedge him out if he slows down a little bit. So um yeah, I I I have a hard time rating him too, too highly, but I, I understand when people will and, and how people are going to look at those metrics down the stretch and be like, you know, we could be have, we could have a star on our hands here that you could get outside the first few rounds. Um, so swing big on that. He's still young. He has the pedigree as a top, uh, you know, top pick back in whatever it was, 2014. Um, so yeah, I like Florida too. My hot take uh, earlier this year was that, you know, Barkov was going to take a run at the, at the heart this year. So um, I think they're going to be a, a high scoring team. I think they're going to put up a ton of points. They've got those, 
those top two lines that are just going to roll. So yeah, you know, for me, Bennett's Bennett's a, he's kind of a, a wild card, I'd say. Well, let me give you um, the, the pro Bennett or the optimistic view here. The thing that really gives me hope that there is something to this. I don't think anyone's expecting, you know, six goals and 15 points for every 10 games he plays, but the fact that, you know, the shot volume where I think he, he ramped up to 62 shot attempts and 40 shots on goal in those 10 games, like that's uh, that's a level we've never seen him play at. And I'm totally with with you, Chris, here in terms of being all in on the Panthers from a fantasy perspective and trying to stack them and get as many uh, pieces as you can there. I, I just think that that system we saw last year, you know, Sam Bennett's one of them, pretty much everyone that stepped in there and played their first year for the Panthers last year, uh, even in larger samples in the 10 games Bennett played, took off. And, and it's very clear to see why, because they were playing this kind of run and gun fast paced system where they were encouraging all their players to sprint up the ice and, and create as many fast breaks as they could. And that's actually why like, I, I like a different Sam here. I think Sam Reinhardt is one of my favorite players to target this season. I, I think he's a bit pricier than Bennett, but I just love the idea of him going from Buffalo last year where he still kind of quietly scored 25 goals. And I think was near, near the top 10 in that category. He's going to be playing on the first line with Sasha Barkov now who as you, as you talked about, is was insane last year. I think there's reason to believe he can be even better this year. He was amongst the league leaders in terms of shot assists. And so pairing those two guys, I know that Reinhardt scored those 25 goals because he shot 19% or whatever last year, but he's always been a guy who's been an above average finisher. And so just putting him in that system and in that environment and what we've seen from all these players that came in and succeeded, I really like Reinhardt this year. And I think that he could score a ton of goals. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you there. I mean, uh, this is a guy who's had, a, what, at least 17 in each of his his few seasons in Florida, 20 in five of his past six. Playing, let's be honest, playing on lousy Buffalo teams. Like, no disrespect to Jack Eichel. He's a great center. But I agree with the Barkoff call. I mean, he's 25 to 1 to win the heart. I mean, that's a terrific bet if you want to make that, that bet. Uh, he's going to be surrounded around a ton of talent, even if he doesn't play with Barkoff. I mean, going on that second line, they just have a lot of offense in Florida. So I, I'd like that call a lot. Yeah, tied for 11th in goals and kind of sneaky, right? When you look overall and you look at last year and you see some of the goal leaders, for me, I was like, wow, Sam Sam Reinhardt is, you know, he's inside the top 12 in goals uh, in the NHL. So yeah, Cam, I think, you know, it's starting off strong here. We all like Florida and there's just a lot of offense to be had across the board with, with again, their fourth line. <laughs> or their third line, whether, what do they want to do with it? It's better than some teams second and third across the league. Yeah. And the thing that I like about a Reinhardt here as well is, is obviously I think an ideal landing spot for him is playing with Barkov, but as he showed towards the end of last year, kind of out of necessity playing in Buffalo, he can also, his natural position is playing center and he can play there. And so if they decide they, I mean, they have so many chess pieces, as, as you mentioned there, that, as I'm sure over the course of the 82 game season, they're going to mix and match. If they have a slump, they're going to try out some different combinations, but his fallback plan is playing second line center with Jonathan Huberto, which is something we just talked about Sam Bennett succeeding in. That's a great spot for him as well. So I think Reinhardt is kind of foolproof here in terms of whether he's on the first or second line, he's going to get a ton of opportunities. Um, all right, let's go. Let's, let's keep it moving. Cam, it's your turn. Give me a, give me a name you're excited about. Hey, let's get out of sunrise. Um, <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I'm going down the turnpike a little bit here and uh, I'm, I'm talking Jack Hughes and another guy that I'm sure people have been talking about, but there haven't been as glaring a flag saying that a breakout's coming. So, you know, we're entering year three, traditionally it's year four where guys really explode um, or, you know, X amount of games, 200 plus games. Uh, but I just, what I saw from him early on in the season 
where he was popping, right? I think he had like eight points in nine games to start the season. And we're like, holy smokes, Jack Hughes is here. And then he kind of got bogged down with what's going on in New Jersey. And so I think that year three coming up, we're going to see more shots. So, you know, he went from two shots a game to two and a half last year. Um, His power play production though went down um, despite seeing, you know, 62% of the, the power play deployment there they're going to be a demonstrably better man advantage unit this year with Dougie Hamilton coming to town like that's and Thomas Tatar come in as well. Like they're going to be a much better team at five on four. And I think Hughes is going to play a huge, huge part in that. So um, for me, I, I obviously the upside is a long been there first overall pick. He was projected to be like Patty Kane light or ish. Um, Kane stepped into the league. He was a little bit older and put up the big numbers right away. I think this is time for Jack Hughes and another guy that you're going to get later on because he hasn't shown capable of really blowing it out yet. Like he played at like a 45 point pace last year. And so for just regular people sifting through stat sheets here um, or even looking at, you know, who's the sleepers going to be. He's not, he's not a name that's just really pinging out there. And so this is a guy that I think you're going to be able to get in the mid rounds that, you know, I projected him for just under 70 points this year, but I think he could go a point in a game even too on that upside as well. So there's a, there's a ton of room for development. If you're in a keeper league, obviously he's going to be held up already, but in those one year leagues, getting him a little bit later, I think New Jersey is going to be a lot better. They're pushing for it now. They're not, they're not going to be a great team, but I think they're going to be a fun team and they're going to try to score their way out of trouble. And uh, he'll play a big role in that first line, first power play, obviously. This is the divide for me in, in participating in fantasy circles versus like actual on ice analysis. Because for me, I, I didn't even consider Hughes as sort of a breakout candidate because he he broke out for me last year in terms of actual on ice results. I think he was literally in the hundredth percentile in terms of like even strength zone exits, even strength contra- controlled entries. Uh, one of the best penalty differentials in the game, like everything, the eye test, like it just popped. He clearly was stronger on the puck. I'd still like to see him improve his shot a little bit. And I'm sure that's going to be something that is never going to be true. The lead He's obviously going to profile as much more of a playmaker and passer, but it was pretty clear that he took a massive step last year in terms of his ability on the ice and how he was playing, how he was controlling games when he was out there. But I guess you're right in terms of what people care about for fantasy when you're just looking at the point totals, it's still lagged a bit behind. So it provides you this kind of buying opportunity to get in there while you still can before this guy truly turns into a fantasy superstar. Um, Chris, uh, Obviously, Hughes is very interesting, and I think, as Cam talked about, he's got massive upside. But he, I think the way he profiles, I, I'm curious in getting pieces of whoever's going to be sharing the ice with him as well at 5-on-5, because I think he's going to be that type of player where he's going to make everyone around him that much better. So how, what are we thinking? Are we thinking Sharon Govich? Are we thinking Tatar? How are we sort of um, breaking down that, that top line for the New Jersey Devils? Yeah, I think um, I think Sharon Govich is very, very interesting uh, towards the end of last season, too. This is a guy who, you know, from a shop volume standpoint, you know, I'm pretty big on shop props when we when we get into the season. He was a guy that, you know, was hovering around the one and a half mark and he was clearing that pretty easily down the stretch. So he's a guy that I think could could not only break out, but he's going undrafted. Like I just took a look at his did a draft last night with 14 people and was able to get him, you know, in the 16th round. It was kind of like just people sleeping on him. Like 16 goals, 30 points is pretty strong. Like it's it's pretty solid for a rookie who you you started to see right away, like some of the splits early on in the season. This is a guy that was just hovering around like 12 minutes uh, a night. And then towards the end of the season, he was he had games well over 18 minutes. So I think if he is linked to Hughes, which I do believe that he will be, 
Um, there's an opportunity there. We just talked about Hughes and, and you know his playmaking ability, and I think Sharon Govich is you know I think he's going to be a volume shooter, and he's 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 a guy that projects pretty well at five and five, and he's going to get that opportunity to play on the power play. And you got to think that the power play is going to be a little bit better this year with the addition of Dougie Hamilton. Like it's it's a pretty strong uh, defenseman to quarterback that power play. Um, so the Devils are actually underrated. Like when, I think there's a lot of players that even Hughes, like w- all three of us, we like him, but he's going well outside the top 100 picks. I mean, Cam, you just talked about how he, you know, you got him projected for 70 points. Um, you know, there's a few guys on that team like Tatar, who's a great five and five player who could fit on the next to him as well. And, and you can project points that way, but yeah, Taron Govich underrated sleeper breakout volume shooter. I do think, uh, that he will be the guy linked to Hughes, and the sky's the limit for for Hughes. And four more points per game, four more minutes per game last season, guys, and more points in fewer games overall. So uh, it's it's a strong target. That is, that there's three or four Devils in there that we could talk about. Yeah, I do think he's going to be the type of player where once he hits hits his peak, you're just going to want whoever's playing with him because it's going to be fantasy fantasy goodness. Um, Cam, I feel like like I'm interested in Sharon Govich for this year, and I, I like what I saw as last year went along from him, but I feel like all of this is kind of just keeping the seat warm for, for Alexander Holtz eventually to step in there and just be turning all of these passes into, into beautiful snipes. Yeah. You knew I was, I was just waiting to talk about Alexander Holtz and he's looked good. He's looked good in the preseason at camp from all reports. Um, I'm not sure if, if he'll make the team right off the hop because another young kid, Dawson Mercer has outplayed him. Um, both of them can play the right side. You know, they, we're talking about Sharon Govich. I think that he's he's going to start the year there, anyways. Um, he had obviously a, a came out of nowhere last year and looked really strong. But you know they do have those options, right? Jesper Bratt is just sitting right behind him, waiting to steal that job on the top line. Um, and then Mercer, I think, probably has the inside track to crack the club. And then uh, he's one of these players that could bounce all around the lineup and could find himself on that top line too. Another deep, deep sleeper that you could be looking at that could link up with Hughes. And if they have some some success at five on five, you know he's going to probably see some second power play opportunities. But it's Holtz long term, and Hughes passing to Holtz is going to be disgusting. And so obviously, if we're looking at keeper leagues, you want to have you want to have a piece of that on, on both ends if you can. Um, and then even if you want to take a late round flyer, like just keep an eye on, on what's going on at, at devil's camp and see if Holtz makes the team, I'm sure they're going to try to put him in a situation to succeed. And that means, you know, he's going to get looks with Hughes or with Nico Hisher, um, because you're not going to keep him around to play seven minutes on your fourth line. And if you do, that's just probably not a great idea for his development. So, um, yeah, I'd be keeping my ear to the ground and, and watching that, watching that position, seeing who's getting into opening night, seeing who's getting the, the power play minutes on the second unit too. I think that's usually telling on who's maybe in more of the coach's favor and could be getting a look later on. Jesper Bratt though, is a kid who, uh, I've been waiting for him to break out too. And so if he can manage to steal that top line, right wing spot, I think that we could be looking at him to, to take another jump up in points as well. I like it. Um, all right. I'm going to keep, keep us going here. A player that I, I have next on my list that I want to talk about is Joel Erickson Eck. Uh, I'm not sure how much more offensive potential that's untapped. He's got individually himself because he scored kind of quietly 19 goals in 56 games last year after having 24 in his first 210 games total in the league. He finished fourth in Selkie voting. He got that $42 million extension from the wild. So the 2021 season went about as well for Joel Erickson as he could individually hope for. But I think the reason why I bring him up here and what I think was a really important development from preseason, you know, you watch, you watch these games, you see these, you see these lineup reports and depth charts and kind of projecting ahead. And, and usually there's a lot of noise to it, but I think in this case, 
the fact that he was playing on the top line, centering Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello in the preseason and also playing the net front on the power play, I think is really appealing to me because you look at, la- at last year, he scored those 19 goals. None of them were on the power play where he was playing just over a minute per game. He only played with Kaprizov for a hundred minutes. Uh, I think that combination of those three guys with Zuccarello only played 22 five on five minutes total. And I was just watching all year, just watching Kaprizov just throw these beautiful dimes all across the ice to Victor Rask, who was just fumbling the puck and missing wide open nets and failing to tap it in. And we know that Eric Sinek, he showed last year that he's really good around the net. Uh, he's got nice hands and tight. He can, he had a lot of high danger opportunities and he converted a bunch of them. And so for me, um, you know, he's going to play a lot for them, obviously, because he's going to be their, their relied upon center. I was actually kind of surprised to see that they finally put him with Kaprizov in the preseason. I was kind of waiting for them to do that all of last year, but if any team is going to uh, prioritize defensive responsibility and defensive value that, um, Joel Erickson and Marcus Foligno provided last year for them. It's going to be the Minnesota wild. And so I thought that maybe that would hold them back from just kind of putting all of their best players on one line like this, but it seems like they're going to do it. And I think there's tantalizing potential here for someone who's a really, really good actual NHL player on the ice to also, uh, kind of carry over his scoring success last year and even maybe potentially build on it. And, and that makes him an appealing guy that you can probably get pretty late in drafts. Yeah, love the call. <laughs> Absolutely. He was on my list as well. And another guy, you're right, um, that's not going, he's not really getting drafted. And you, you just have to know your settings. If you play in leagues with hits and shots, he was one of two players last year to have at least 100 hits, 100 shots, and 19 goals. The other was Chris Kreider. And you could see the the uptick in ice time in each of the last two seasons increased by two minutes. And, and you know, from, from his five and five numbers, too, I mean, high danger chances four, 4.9 per 60. That was the 11th best mark in the league. 1.37 uh, goals four per 60 was inside the top 10 and his uh, expected goals inside the top five um, among players at five and five last season per 60. So I, I like that they're giving him an opportunity I don't really have much more to add than that, but he is going to play with some studs this year, which wasn't the case. I was waiting for it too. All of last season, towards the end of last season, when was he going to be able to be the number one center there? Rask wasn't it. Bukestad wasn't the answer. And he's going to have a net front presence, like you said, on that power play. Uh, So I don't know if if he shoots 16%. I I don't know. Uh, Probably not. But when you're playing with Kaprizov, (laughs) you're going to have a lot of tap-ins. There's no question. The upside's pretty high. Uh, He is a terrific terrific player uh, that not a lot of people talk about. I'm with you guys uh, also on my list too, as a, as a value guy or a breakout guy, you could put them in either category. Um, you know, it's all about, it's going to be all about the power play work, right? Like you didn't see bare, any power play time basically in his career here. Very, very minimal last year was his big jump up to like a minute. Um, so I see he's skating finally on that first unit in, in camp here. They started him out on the second one. I think that I think we're all right on the money that he's going to get the minutes at five on five. They're going to have some chemistry and then it's time to step up and, and produce on the power play because this, like this guy doesn't even know what a secondary assist is. Like he just never chisels secondary points. And so he is due to step up and have one of these seasons where he can get, you know, 40% of his assists can be secondary and you're going to watch his numbers spike. Um, so playing with good players, that top unit, I think, is is going to be really good. I have another player that I want to talk about from that top unit later on for a breakout too. Um, no, I'm I'm all about the uh, Joel Erickson X train. I I think I had him like four years ago in a keeper league where I was like, this guy's going to be really good. But I think it was more me. He's going to be such a, a good real life player, and he is right. Like he's Selkie caliber already. Like he's just an excellent player. And now we need to see him step up and and 
you know, breaking plate another guy who played at like a 40 point pace or 45 point pace last year is that he's going to have to start hitting those bigger numbers, right? We're going to need him to get 20 points on the power play because his even strength offense was already excellent last year, like very, very good. And it still only drove him to a 45 point pace. So he's going to need 15, 20, 22 power play points to get him up into really fancy relevant categories in these points only leagues where he's going to get 60, 65. And I think it's doable, right? Carol Kapazov, he's a superstar. You link up with a superstar, you're a good, smart player. You're going to get your points. And that's where I think those secondary assists are going to, going to jump up in a big way. I like it. Um, all right. I'm going to open the floor to you. Which one of you two wants to talk about Jared McCann? <laughs> Cam does. <laughs> sure. I can talk about Jared McCann. I was going to talk about another Jared, but we can save him for later too. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, McCann, obviously I'm a big fan. I, I I've had this kid dialed up since, since his junior days that he's, he's a shooter. Um, he's, he's intelligent on the ice. He can move around. Well, he obviously stepped up last year and played a more prominent role in Pittsburgh and lo and behold, he played at like a 60 odd point pace. Um, the numbers were a little inflated. And when you're playing with a couple of hall of famers, uh, different situations, that's going to help. But now he's the guy in Seattle, right? Like he's, he's coming down. Uh, he's coming downhill on the top power play unit. And that shot, that wrist shot of his is really, really nice. Like it's one of the better shots in the league coming downhill. Um, so I think he's going to get tons of opportunities there playing on the first line, playing on the top power play unit. I know a lot of people are a little sour on Seattle right off the hop, um, questioning whether anyone's going to be able to put up a ton of points. And I can see that, you know, is, is there, is there a point of game guy on that team? Probably not. Um, but he's definitely someone who could play at a 60, 65, maybe even a bit higher point pace. We'll see if he can stay healthy throughout the season, but um, you know, at his age, he's 24, 25, he's got the pedigree. He stepped up last year. He's one of these guys that's going way too late on Yahoo boards. Anyways, um, the, the, there's value. There's definitely value to be had in, uh, in Jared McCann. Well, he, he shot 15% personally last year, which wasn't that outrageous. I think obviously more concerning was that, uh, the penguins with him on the ice at five on five shot 13.8% or something like that, uh, 13.6. And then that's obviously just insane and it will continue. And I don't think anyone should expect that. I think though, that while there will be regression, I think it's going to be kind of mitigated, mitigated by just an increase in volume here where, he only played 1406 per game last year. Like I, I think as this team's number one center playing in all situations, that's expected to increase. I think the opportunities, especially in terms of shot volume will increase for him as well. He's always been a good shooter. I'd like to see him use it more. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot to like here. I think that that regression and that kind of concern about Seattle's offensive ability and, and whether they're going to be playing a bunch of two, one games is baked into his price. I think last time I checked, Yahoo had him around 170th or something. Like he's going in the same range as guys like Patrick Hornquist and Alex Kalorn. And, and, you know, with all due respect to those guys, I think a guy like McCann provides significantly more upside if, if everything does come together for him. So uh, especially in that range with that price baked in, I love him as a, as kind of a breakout guy, but I, I just thought we needed to mention him because he's pretty much on everyone's list as, oh, this guy's going to break out. So I feel like people are waiting for us to talk about him. Yeah, I mean, he could. I don't want to say that he's going to score 43 like uh, William Carlson did in, in, in Vegas, but a lot of guys across the board in Seattle are going to see a career high across the board with statistics, but most of all, ice time. I could see, I got him projected for over 18 minutes a game, so from 15 to 18, Cam says first line, first power play. Absolutely, I believe in all of that stuff. I mean, 14 goals in back-to-back -back seasons, 32 points, just three shy of a career best, and you know he only played 66 games. So uh, I think that he's... There's a lot of Seattle players that, you know, Jordan Eberle is the one guy I think people go to, or, or Schwartz, but um, McCann is he's getting overlooked and he's going to be one of those guys that we're talking about and people listening, drafting him. But I bet you after week one, week two, 
people will be talking about, wow, McCann, he's one of the hot waiver wire pickups. So just make sure that you, you know, it's not going to cost you a whole lot. It's going to cost you a late pick. And I think it's going to be a pick that works out for you. Well, I, I also, I keep gravitating to Vince Dunn here as well, because yeah. if you look at the way they've constructed their blue line, I think right now they have Mark Giordano on the top power play unit, and he's obviously got the reputation and he similarly is a great value in that regard. But it's a lot of like, you know, Jamie Alexiak and, and Adam Larson, and, and they kind of drafted uh, more defensive defenseman types. And I think if there's anyone that can unlock a true uh, offensive ceiling here with this group and, and and take advantage of, we've been waiting for him to, to get that ice time ramped up and actually start being relied upon and trusted by his coaching staff. And it seems like the runway is there for Vince Dunn, where if he really has it in him at this point, this is about as good of an opportunity as he's going to get. I'm with you. Uh, I got it on situations to watch. Is that is that who's who's QB in that that power play in in Seattle? Because yeah, I think it will be Geo to start. He's you know he's their captain, I believe, and he's he's got all the all the history with being that guy. But he's he's not getting any younger. And Dunn is he's he's this player that analytically we've been high on for a while. And you know with the eye test too. <clears throat> excuse me. He looks like he should be a player. You know he's looked good in camp preseason action. Um, he's one of these rare defensemen who can finish at a pretty high rate too, right? Like he's clicked at 8% or above a couple of times in his young career, seeing very little power play time too, right? Like 30, 35% of the, the team's opportunities. So um, he can put up points on the power play. And I think that Seattle's going to recognize that. I think they did. And that's why they took him. Um, is that he's, he's going to get an opportunity and, and it might not be right off the hop. He might be one of these guys that goes off come Christmas time, right? When he, when he manages to steal the spot, if they're going dry for a little bit or geo gets hurt. Um, so he's one of these ones, both those guys are kind of like a handcuff late in the draft. In, in my opinion is that, you know, on Yahoo leagues, I think it's a little, a little wild, but you know, I think Giordano's the 40th defenseman off the board and, and Dunn's like 44th. Um, so they're sitting around each other because nobody really knows is who's going to do what on that unit. And are they going to be a good enough unit to really want to have them? So that's kind of like that platoon goalie situation where they, they kind of lessen each other's value by not knowing who's going to get the majority of the starts in this one, it's going to be, who's going to get the majority of the minutes. So, um, I always like to hedge the younger guy in keeper situations. And in one year leagues, I usually hedge the older guy, um, who, who probably is going to start in that position, but I'm quick. I'm quick to get to drop either one. If, if the other one starts to go or gets that, uh, that opportunity. So I'm, uh, I'm usually a keeper guy. So I'd be a little more pro Vince done here, but yeah, in those one year leagues probably take Gio off the board first and then either take down late or watch them on the wire and be quick on the draw. I like it. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here. And then we're going to, uh, to pick it back up and finish up with a bunch of names we like. Recognize employees with Custom Ink. Show customer appreciation with Custom Ink. Outfit your teams with Custom Ink. Easily add your logo to your favorite products and brands at custominc.com. Make Custom Ink your custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing, along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. All backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Do it all today at custominc.com. Champions aren't born, they're made. And the secret to make your business reign supreme? Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. 
Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash bluewire. All right, Chris, it's your turn. Uh, give us another name. I like Eric Batherson, uh, not just because he played his junior A hockey uh, in my hometown, but uh, I really liked what I saw from him last year as a player who I hear the stories too, by the way, of him like running up the Citadel Hill in Halifax with Sidney Crosby and Brad Marchand. Like those are guys I think you want to work out with. Uh, they've both been terrific players in the NHL and Drake Batherson. You know, it was really his first full season in the NHL last year. Uh, you know, small sample a couple of years before that, but a lot of opportunity to play with the Senators. I don't know what is going on with Brady Kachuk and if he's going to sign and when he's going to be back, but it was one of the top lines in the league with Kachuk and, and Josh Norris and, and Drake Batherson. But it's another guy that I, I, I typically like these players that touch a lot of categories, 100-plus shots and 100-plus hits, and you know, upside to be a 30-goal scorer, I do believe, maybe even as early as this season, averaging over three minutes per game on the power play, so getting all kinds of opportunity to play on a team that needs you know skilled players. Like Ottawa is on the rise. They have some guys that I am excited about from a long-term standpoint, but Drake Batherson is going to get, I think he's going to flirt with 19 minutes this season. And I think the biggest thing for me is that power play time. 15 power play points last year, as I mentioned, just over three minutes, 314 on the power play. So I think he's going to guy that is going to be a guy that's going to continue to to shoot the puck quite a bit. And the coaching staff really just, you could see the progress from the first month to the first half of the season. And then into the second half of just the ice time and the confidence that not only he was getting, but the team had in him to put him in those situations to succeed. So Batherson's another guy I'm seeing his ADP at 134 in high stakes leagues and an underdog and Yahoo's right, right around the same mark. And what do you, how do you feel Batherson Norris, uh, you know, Kachuk's current ongoing situation, yeah, whether that benefits Stutzlev, he potentially jumps up to that top line and fill his void while he's out. Uh, how do you feel about the auto centers? Yeah, I, <laughs> they're funny. They're a plucky little team that, and we saw that down the stretch last year, right? Where they, where they came out of the best, the basement in the Canadian division and uh, they had a good run there at the end and, and spoiled their draft position. And that's okay. Um, Batherson's a fun one. He's a, he's kind of that gritty all around piece that has skill as well, that every team needs in their top six. And uh, you know, he can, he can shoot the puck. He can make plays. Um, you know, he's, I'd like to see him shoot the puck more, you know, let's get him up averaging two, 2.75 shots or two and a half, 2.75, something like that. Um, the, he, he got a ton of power play opportunities last year, um, got 15 points on the power play in, in 56 games. Like those are great metrics. Um, I think that he's probably going to be playing on that top line. I'm a huge Josh Norris guy. Like I've been, I've been pumping him for a while. I had him in my keeper league. I ended up trading him at the deadline to go for a championship and I got it. So, you know, there's, it's not too much heartbreak, but um, I think that this, uh, this, this kid's going to be an excellent real life player, like potentially even like Selkie level player who puts up the big points that you need to win the Selkie these days or forever. Um, and then, and yeah, and then it's going to be interesting to see, right? Uh, Kachuk's going to get signed. He's going to come back and he's going to get that top 
line left wing and that top line is going to be a lot of fun and that top power play unit is going to be a lot of fun it's going to hurt tim stitzla his value a little bit when kachuk does come back but <clears throat> i think batherson's a great pick there he we saw him go on streaks um i think it was his second quarter last year where he put up a point a game in 14 or 15 games and he can go on those mini little heaters and you know he's 23 now so it's time for him to start to put those heaters on a more consistent basis and see it throughout the year so that he can instead of being a guy who plays at a 40 or 50 point pace he's a guy who can play at a 60 65 point pace and and you can really look at him as like this is a guy i want on my fantasy team that i can roll out every week yeah i like it i i, I certainly think it's a good environment for scoring especially with what i expect they're going to give up a lot of goals so that uh, we saw them last year getting into a lot of high scoring back and forth kind of track me shootouts and I, I expect that as well this year um all right i'm gonna keep it moving here i think my favorite breakout candidate this season is jordan Cairo. Uh, I wrote about him at length for for EP Ringside this week, but I'm going to kind of regurgitate a lot of the stuff that that I that I spelled out there. So last year he was 18th in the league in five on five goals. He was 13th in the league in five on five primary assists. He was fifth in rate of entries leading to chances. He was ninth in controlled entry rate. And the reason why I bring up some of those transition stats is because he really reminds me of, you know, I don't think he's necessarily as dynamic and as good of a skater as these guys, but whether it's a, a Nick Ehlers or a, a Rupe Hintz, he really reminds me a lot in terms of their sort of trajectory and their profile where there are these really exciting talents that we're not getting the minutes that we need for fantasy success. And we were kind of waiting and we were hoping that their teams would finally unleash them. And then when they did, they exploded and now they're, you know, household names. And I think in, in Kairu's case, what's amazing to me is that he accomplished, he was basically a top 25 on five scorer last year uh, while playing in his first full NHL season in this miserable environment where the blues were basically playing at a snail's pace. They were the 28th team in, in, in shots for and against uh, they were 30th in expected goals. Like it really wasn't uh, a situation that was conducive to fantasy success. He was their 10th most frequently used forward for some reason, despite the talent that I just talked about. And so I'm, I'm just kind of betting here on talent, eventually winning out. I'm not sure how their lines are going to shake out, but with O'Reilly, Shen and Thomas, they certainly have the centers down the middle to support a bunch of fantasy wingers. Now that they brought in, in both Buchnevich and Brandon Saad. And I just, I just, I love it. I think Yahoo has him ranked behind Jake Gardner or something who's like not even playing in the, in the NHL this season. ESPN has him ranked behind Carl Soderberg. It's like at, at, at that point, you're basically taking a long shot flyer. And for me, I really do think he has tremendous upside where he only had three power play points last year. I believe only four or five of his assists, as we talked about with Joel Erickson Eck, were secondary assists. So he was incredibly unlucky in terms of that. Basically, every single point he was getting was earned the hard way. And if he gets more opportunity playing with top players atop the Blues lineup and they desperately need his transition ability, I think the sky's the limit. Like he produced at a 50 ish point pace last year over 82 games. I think that could skyrocket if he's given the chance. And, and I just, I just love bet betting on a talent like that. Like Kairu, I've liked him for a while. He's got speed, 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 right? And you love that. And in someone in his size too, who can move around so well, um, he's got to shoot the puck more, right? Yeah. Like we got to get this guy shooting the puck more. He, he didn't even average two point two shots a game last year. And he's got a good shot, especially in that kind of high slot area. That's where he made his, his butter in junior. Um, it's, I think what it's all going to come down to is opportunity. <clears throat> if he can, if he can find a way to get even just under two minutes a night on the power play. I think that's going to help him immensely. And then the, becoming more comfortable in the league. Like he's basically played a full season's worth of games now. 
Um, this is kind of like his sophomore season, even though it's his fourth year getting games. Um, he should be able to step up, right? Like you said, he played at a 50, 52 point pace last year. I want to see him shoot the puck two and a half a game um, up the per night. So at five on five, he should get more minutes. He should get some more minutes on the power play, but that's dicey. He's not going to see the first unit probably. So he's probably not going to really break out. But if he did, if he managed to get on that first unit, and, and find himself in that bumper spot or even the net front, um, then yeah, we could be looking at a player that could, you know, he could go off for 65 this year, but I think it's all going to come down to opportunity for him. Yeah. I think, uh, I think people are hesitant maybe to draft him because of the Buchnevich uh, addition there. But I think that you shouldn't overlook Cairo because I mean, what, what you both said, I mean, he does need to shoot the puck a little bit more, but he is a sniper and he is, he's a, he's a terrific hockey player. And I think he's good enough. Like you said, to, with the skill will take over with this team and that he, I think he definitely has a top six role. Uh, even if he gets on that third line, it's still, it's still a line that has a lot. Of, it's going to have a lot of talent on it. Um, but I saw in camp that they, they had tried him out with O'Reilly on that first line with Perron and those three together, like those two guys are fantasy gold. I mean, David Perron is a guy that he's another one that touches a lot of categories and Ryan O'Reilly is, is still a guy that I think is underrated in the fantasy community. He can still provide a lot. So being linked to those two guys, if that's the case, that's, that's great for Kyra's upside, but yeah, just over a minute per game on the power play last year. I don't know if he gets that first, unit, like Cam said, but the skill could eventually take over there and towards the end of last season he was a guy that was playing on that top power play but we'll see what they do with Buchnevich and I don't think Saad is not going to be that guy who's going to get a lot of he's definitely not going to get PP one time uh, he's more of a five on five player so yeah, I like that call as a breakout guy and I think 30 goals is is in his future for his career yeah yeah it, it might be foolish on my end expecting NHL coaches to do the right thing but I, I like I like the bet on talent and I think certainly uh, he's about as talented as there is Cam let's keep it moving who you got hey so we're talking breakout guys. We think young. I'm picking a guy who's about to turn 32 to break out this year. All right. Okay. We're going, we're going back to mini and scared Spurgeon. Okay. We talked about that top unit is Joel Erickson not going to get a crack on it. We think he will, but regardless, there's going to be Carol Kaprasov. There's going to be Kevin Fiala and there's going to be Jared Spurgeon. He took over that top power play spot last year down the stretch. And he put up 20 points in the final 30 games when he was averaging just under three minutes a night. This is a guy who's always been just a tremendous player in real life. So, so smooth, so underrated, finally got paid. And now he's getting the recognition that he is, Oh, he is excellent at everything. And now it's time. He's going to put up the points. He's a guy who's never broke 45 points before. I'm putting him up there that this guy's going to break 50. He could see 55. If many really goes off. 32 year old Jared Spurgeon. He's going off the board late too. I got to, I got to check my notes where he was, where he's coming off the board. It's way too late. I didn't write it down. Um, but he's, he's down there for defenseman coming off the board. He's like the 35th or 38th defenseman coming off the board. And, and we're looking at a PP one guy and there's, there's not a ton of those in the league that you really want anyways too, right? Like there's maybe 20 of them in the entire league that you're really, you're chomping at the bit to. And he's another one of these guys because it happened late in the season, his counting stats weren't, blown up for the full year so as you're sifting through the stats and he's old and it's minnesota who has this history of being a team that doesn't score a lot he's one of these guys that you're going to get great value and i think he's going to pop this year oh uh, you don't need to sell me in the pdo cast on jared spurgeon i'm i'm all about that take and as someone who's uh i'm turning 30 in a month here i'm excited that the the best is still to come and jared spurgeon is going to lead the way and show us that and to get into your early 30s you can still keep keep producing at a high level 
And they had Ryan Suter on that first power play sure. in time last season, right? And it's like, what? <laughs> Let's put Spurgeon on there. So just shy under three minutes of power play time. Yeah, three for three. He's... Uh, he, this Minnesota team is going to be pretty good, right? I mean, in the, the future looks pretty bright for their for them as well with, you know, get Rossi in there and Boldy. But yeah, top power play time. And I think Cam probably, what do you think? Uh, when you're projecting power play quarterbacks across the league, he probably will be inside the top six or seven in terms of ice time. I, I expect you know he he got he ended up averaging 250 last last year which is pretty which strong. is pretty good yeah that's pretty strong but I I could see that going up even yeah. right like that that unit there I think they're gonna load it up and I think that he's gonna play a huge part in it um like I don't I don't really see Dumba being a huge threat to them maybe one day Callan Addison's gonna gonna come up and, and join that young group that they're really building there with Rossi and Boldy and all those kids but for right now He's their number one. He should get all the minutes. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna chew them up too. And another one of these guys that has a long history of converting at a high rate, right? Like I think he only clicked at seven percent last year, but he's done over ten before. He doesn't shoot a ton, but like let's see him hit over two shots a game this year. He does have a good shot too from the point, obviously clicking at that rate. Um, yeah, I, I think that just and then all around too, right? Like if you're if you're in a multi cat league, like he he won't hit too too often but he gets some blocks you know he he's out there in all the tough minutes too like uh, i'm not sure what his his own start times were last year but they probably weren't all that great about hovering around 50 percent. so that's pretty good i expect that maybe to go up even higher as they're looking to drive some more offense through him so yeah he he's my pick i got him in my uh in my keeper draft there last weekend late 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 and people were just completely asleep on him not even knowing that he's probably going to be that top unit guy Susan. I like it. Um, all right, uh, Chris, keep us keep us moving here. We got to I have so many names we still haven't covered yet. I, I think we got to go like rapid fire style here. Two minutes of pop and just get through as many as we can. All right, I'll rapid fire. I'll start. There's two guys that are right in around this round six to seven range. It's Martin Natchez and Nick Suzuki. And I always have a problem with which one I'm going to grab because I like both of them. And I think we saw part of a breakout last year from both. But I'll go with Natchez here as a guy. I wish he would be locked in next to Ajo. Man, those two down the stretch last year and into the playoffs, it just seemed like they, they were just on the same page. But, I mean, 14 minutes per game as a rookie, and he he jumps up there in terms of ice time, three more minutes per game. I think he can get into that 18-minute mark. I think he could be on that top power play time or top power play unit. His ice time increased at 5-on-4 five and 5-on-5, five five, and he set a career high in power play points with 11. So Natchez is, is definitely a target of mine. Yeah, I'm just Carolina is one of those teams where they have so much talent up front that I, I, I'm never sure how it's going to shake out because I, I agree with you. I think he should be playing full time with Ajo. They showed tremendous chemistry playing shorthanded, playing on the power play together, playing at five on five. His shot from that wing on the power play is tremendous. I think his ability to kind of carry the puck and help get them set up in the offensive zone to begin with is incredibly valuable for that top unit, yet still. He was playing a bunch of second unit minutes. I think he was playing under two minutes uh, per game on the power play. He only played 185 on five minutes with Ajo last year. And some of that was just because they had injuries and Taravino was out. And so they're mixing and matching. But if you told me the Natchez was going to be playing full-time with Ajo, I would be all in. And I think still he's such a talent that he's going to get there regardless. But I, I'd like to know how those lines are going to shake out before I fully committed just for this year in terms of his point production. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Love him as a talent. Like I, I think he's, you know, him and Nick Suzuki, they went back to back in that draft and they have very similar point totals over their careers. Like everybody drools over Nick Suzuki. He's the frontline center in, in Montreal. He's the future, him and Caulfield. Um, and Nakesh is just in Carolina. And so he's, he's, you know, the fourth best option there. Um, I agree with you guys. I think he should be up there, but Teravainen seems to hold that top line right wing. Um, Nakesh can play the middle of the ice too. So I think that he, they're going to look to him maybe as that center ice 
fit in hole if Kotkaniemi isn't that long-term to replace Stahl or Trocek when he walks away. He's great though. It's all about opportunity, right? He's not, he's just not getting the top power play time yet. And so that's going to keep his totals muted. I think he can play at the pace. We showed, he showed it last year, 63 point pace. Like that's, that's terrific. He, he drives offense at five on five and he's only getting better at 22 years old. Love the player. It's just in fantasy, you know, you need that opportunity. And so if he can wedge his way onto that first unit, then watch out. But until he does, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not holding the candle too, too highly uh, in, on draft day. Okay. I want to give you a player here that, arguably has the most opportunity out of anyone in the NHL. Jacob Chikrin, who I think people are slightly scared off by because Arizona is such a mess and they had such a talent exodus this year where they were basically trading anyone with a pulse for uh, draft picks and, and there's very little left there. But I think part of the appeal from last year and, 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 you know, he's a tremendous player. He's still young. He's still ascending, but was that volume where when he was on the ice last year, he accounted for 27% of the team's total shot attempts. And, and basically they were funneling their entire offense through him. And if anything, now I think the opportunity is even more so there with all of Larkman Larson gone. I know they brought in Shane Gostas bear, but I really do believe that, you know, he still played 23 and a half minutes last year. There's even potentially room for an uptick in that he's a multi-category beast where he might not shoot 10% again and, and score 18 goals in 50 games or whatever he had last year. But they're going to be funneling that offense through him. He's a physical player. So, you know, he's going to get the penalty minutes. He blocks shots. He's going to play a lot. And I think the shot volume is going to be insane. Like he's a, he's an interesting candidate for, uh, for Chris, for your, for your shot props, basically on a nightly basis, I'd be hitting that over because there were nights where he was just firing five, six, seven, eight pucks on net. And I don't really see why that's not going to continue. The team's going to be bad, but for fantasy purposes, the opportunity is there for him to just rack up insane volume. Yeah, he's uh he's an FTN fave. Uh, we we attack the shot props with Chickering all the time. Yeah, he's an absolute stud. Actually, again, know your settings because in leagues with power play points, shots, hits, and blocks, the number one fantasy hockey defenseman last season, number two in among defensemen in shots as well, and not getting drafted that way. And he's right, going eighteenth, I think, on Yahoo right now among defensemen, which is crazy it's because it's it's only because Arizona. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's he's got. Arizona next to his name, and that and that's the reason. So he is completely undervalued, and I think he can duplicate and replicate what he did last season. I do have some concerns. I wrote about him as a regression candidate too, right? Like uh, as far as expected goals, like I think he was on, he should have only popped nine last year, and he ended up telling what like eighteen or something like that. So that his 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 IPP both at even strength and on the power play was pretty high. Um, but I, I think you're right, Dim, is that who else is going to do it, right? Who else, is, who else are they going to give the puck to? Like, he's their best player. He's going to get a ton of minutes. Like, he, we could see this guy be playing, you know, 25, 26 minutes a night. He could be pushing four minutes on the power play. Like, he yeah. he could be getting Ovi-like numbers on the power play for for minutes here. Um, and he's just going to bomb shots. Like, would anyone be surprised if he put three and a half on this year? Like, that, just that pure rate, like, that, that's kind of going to blow up your expected goal totals, too, is that he's shooting from the point every time. Well, um, pucks are going to go in for him, though. Well, that's the thing. I think He was on an 82-game pace of 260 shots on, on net last year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays 25 minutes a night this year and, and gets 300 on net. And so, yeah, he's not going to convert 10% of them again, but that, I, I think, you know, talent is important. Opportunity is important. I think he's got a nice mixture of those two, even though there's not that much around him. And I, so uh, I'm always surprised when I see, I know no one's like really that excited to draft a coyotes player at this point, but like everything is going to go through him. I, I, pretty much every time I see the coyotes have scored a goal, I'm expecting him to have factored yeah. into it in some way. And so 
they're an NHL team. They're going to score some goals here or there, and he's going to he's going to be a big part of that. And so I think as the 18th defenseman off the board, considering he was literally the number one guy last year, I, I just like that that regression is baked in. He doesn't need to be as uh, electric a goal scorer as he was last year to still provide plenty of value for people. Um. All right. So Cam, keep keep us going here. Hey, um, we're looking at Tyler Johnson. Oh. A guy that I uh, I traded for 100 years ago in a keeper league um, and immediately regretted it. I think I ended up trading a, a, a third overall pick that turned into Mitch Marner after he popped for like 70 points that one year in Tampa. We know he can put up points when he plays with good players. And guess where he's playing this year, right? He is centering that top line with Kanan Debrinkat. He's playing on the on the power play on the first unit. He's the net front guy, which is like the least likely spot to get touches on the unit. So he's going to have to rely on tips and rebounds and guys feeding him in the in the low slot to get those power play points. But I'm I'm looking at a resurgence from Tyler Johnson and another guy that you're going to be getting way late that people are sleeping on unless they're paying attention on who's going to get the minutes there. Um, is that I, I think it's Tyler Johnson. I think you should probably wait. Like, don't jump up being like, oh, he's going to get 65, 70 for sure. Because, you know, I, I think Curry Doc is another one to watch that going into year three, that he could be a sneaky guy to steal that job at some point too. But I, I think, I think Tyler Johnson's in a great spot to start the year um, coming out of, you know, the cup winning teams there. He's going to Chicago. There's a lot of excitement in Chicago this year that they, they won't be a middling to bottomer type of team this year that they can regain and go for one more push with Kane. Um, there's some talent on that club and, and he's going to be playing with it. So I, I like that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I like can't, can't argue that. I <laughs> can't argue that he's going to get an opportunity. Um, I'll, I'll go with a, another former bolt here in Blake Coleman. I think when you look at Blake Coleman last year, just basically third line minutes, right? I mean, with Tampa 15 minutes, 28 seconds, you know, he, he gets 31 points in 55 games, arguably the best third line in the NHL. I mean, I think we could say that uh, with agreement uh, and it's all gone from Tampa. Now I think with Coleman, is another guy touches a lot of categories going to be suspended for a game or two, I believe to start the season. But if you look at his New Jersey numbers, you look at the 78 games with the devils. Um, and then the 57 games, this is a guy who averaged 17 minutes per game. He had 20 goals in each of those seasons. He was one of three players in 2018 and 19 to have over 20 goals, 200 shots and 200 plus hits as Ovechkin and Josh Anderson. So another guy that's right away, looks like he's going to, if it's not on that first line, it's on the second line. And I think we could see him with Kachuk and Lindholm. I think that will be a trio that uh, at least I expected to kind of work out that way. And you just, you take away last season and you, you're getting more, you're getting power play time. Like this is a guy who didn't even get power play time in Tampa Bay. Like why would he with that star studded team? So I think you go back to the past couple of years when he was with the devils and that's what you can project from this season. And and that is, that's, that he's a guy that's not getting drafted in fantasy and those numbers, if he does get 20 goals and 50 plus points, even 40 plus points, like that's going to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, he's going to be a player that Daryl Sutter is going to love using. Oh, and so uh, I, I'm all for that. Um, no, speaking of the Flames, we haven't really talked about goalies yet. Um, but a goalie that I noticed is going insanely low in Yahoo leagues. I think he's the 26th goalie off the board. Yeah, what's that about? Behind Tristan Jerry, Sergey Bobrovsky, Carter Hart, and Mike Smith is my good pal, Jacob Markstrom. And I think it kind of flew under the radar a bit because it was such a mess down the stretch and they didn't make the playoffs. And then as people remember, they were kind of playing out the string in these meaningless games against the Canucks uh, while the playoffs were going on in other divisions. But even if you remove those games that, that weren't even NHL caliber games, and you just look at the 27 games before that, that Daryl Sutter coached the flames, they were third best, or I guess gave up the third fewest shot attempts against the second fewest shots on goal against, and the fourth fewest high danger chances against and expected goals against. Um, they were, as you'd expect for a Daryl Sutter team, 
an elite defensive team that basically shut it down, grinded the game down to a halt and didn't give up anything. Markstrom's numbers for the year don't look particularly good, but I think the context is important here where he came out of the gate remarkably well. I think in his first 12 games, he had a 925 save percentage. They rode him into the ground. They played him way too much. He played pretty much every single night and on back-to-backs and he eventually got hurt. And then his numbers plummeted and he had a couple stink bombs in there where he got destroyed by the Oilers and it submarined his numbers for the year. But I really do believe that it's a great defensive environment for a team that I think is going to be sneakily competitive in that division. And yeah, games against, you know, the Oilers and the Golden Knights and even the Canucks offense aren't going to be ideal necessarily, but there's enough teams in there with the California teams and with the Kraken where it's going to be these great scoring environments for a goalie. And especially in that situation where I think Markstrom is being severely slept on just because the, the overall results aren't necessarily there. But I think once you peel back a few layers, you realize that I think there's a lot of reason to believe that that team defensively and him in terms of his numbers are going to be pretty good this season. And not only that, like you didn't even mention he's good. Yeah. He's, he's a genuinely good at stopping pucks. He's really good. He's big and he's good. And yeah, I think, I think you nailed it there. I think Mark, he's getting way undervalued. Calgary's just this weird team that people are just like, are they any good? Are they medium? But they're not bad. We know that, right? They're not going to be a bottom feeder. They're going to be probably stuck in that purgatory zone where they don't quite make the playoffs and they don't get a good draft pick. And the Calgary's well well adjusted to that situation over the years. Um, So no, I, I like that a lot. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about another goalie too. And, and I think that another guy that people are, people are sleeping on is Cal Peterson. I, I yes. think he's going off the board at 39th. He's the 39th goalie off the board right now for Yahoo. LA is going to be a better team. You know, I think they're going to, they, they're going to sniff at a playoff spot. They're going to be in the mix. They obviously, they want to take a step forward. They made that clear going to get Arvidsson and Quentin Byfield going down. That hurts them just, you know, for six or eight weeks or whatever he's out for. And that's, that's a little demoralizing, but they have a lot of, a lot of young talent. He's 26. <clears throat> you know, he's got 56 career NHL games and he's, and he's posted above NHL average numbers playing on a bottom feeding team. I think that as, as, as Peterson goes, so go will the Kings. And so if he can maintain that 915, 917 save percentage that he's showed capable of thus far, that they're going to be a, a, a pretty decent team. If he can take an even, you know, take a step forward here in quote unquote year two or three, however you want to look at it for him with games played that they could be a, a, one of these teams that, that could surprise and they can make the playoffs. And, you're going to be getting yourself a, a starting goalie, you know, the 40th goalie off the board. Like that's, that's just not, so there's tons of value with Cal Peterson. Yeah. Both but, of those guys were on my list. <laughs> well, uh, I, I was going to say, you, you know, you, you talk about how they're going to be better, especially I think the the additions are of note where you, you add a defensive ace and in, in Philip Dano, you add, uh, you know, a top flight winger who's got great possession stats and in, in Victor Arvidsson. I think both those are going to help. I think the competition like Jonathan Quick at this point, I understand that he's still got two years under contract, and I'm sure that the organization has a lot of allegiances to him, but it's pretty clear that Peterson is the objectively better goalie by pretty much any single measure. And so they committed to him this this, this offseason too, which was really interesting to me when they didn't necessarily need to yet. I believe that the extension that kicks in after this season for him is going to make him like the 12th highest paid goalie or something. Uh, and, and that was interesting to me. It clearly signaled to me that they're expecting a big year for him. That's going to price him into a higher, higher tax bracket as well. Otherwise there would have been no need for him to, for them to commit to him uh, ahead of the time as the way they did. So um, that signals really good things for me. I think it's a, it's a team that's certainly on an upward trajectory and, and you're right for where he's going. I think the upside is there. Yeah, I don't understand uh, 
both both of those goalies that you guys brought up, I don't understand the the ADP on either of them. I mean, Markstrom is an absolute steal, and and Peterson is in for a breakout campaign. One more goalie here, I'll just throw him out there. I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on the Boston situation. Not as great defensively, um, you know, as as some of the teams that we've talked about here, especially, you know, when you were talking about the other goalie there. Um, just overall, though, when you look at his numbers, I look I was looking at him again here before I got on. Just a nine twelve save percentage for his career, nine seventeen last year, nine fifteen the year before that with on bad Sabres teams and the Bruins do have, I have a lot of questions about their defense. I'm not going to lie about that, but I mean, high danger save percentage, 861 at, at five and five uh, overall save percentage of 937. That's among the leaders and it is a better team. It is a better Bruins team. Like they obviously are much better offensively. They're going to lose. They lost Krejci. Rask is gone. Now Swayman was in a very small sample size was his numbers were off the charts, uh, but I do believe with you know, a contract that they signed him to that he would, he will be the goalie. There's a lot of tandems across the league. And I think more teams are doing that these days, but I still think, you know, when I'm projecting the split, it's probably like 60, 40, maybe worst case for, for Omar. I don't know where you guys stand with him, but he's a guy as well. that's going outside the top 15 at the position. Yeah, I've got him. I'm just looking at Yahoo there. It, it's telling me he's the 12th goalie off the board. And I think that that could be a little generous for him. I, I, but when I think you're right, though, on how the splits are going to work uh, at the end of the day, look at who gets paid more. Right. Like, everybody's looking in Florida, too, and being like Spencer Knight. He's going to blow up. He's going to win rookie of the year. It's like, yeah, Bob still makes 10 million dollars. They're going to they're going to probably feed him some starts, especially when it's a young guy, old guy situation. So Allmark got the paycheck. They're probably going to roll him out there. And if he can stay hot, then he'll get the lion's share of the starts there. And and I think you're right that if he can get 45 games, that that's probably going to be enough to propel him into being a, a you know top top half of the league goaltender sort of thing in, in fantasy circles. So I think there's value there. He's a handcuff situation, though. You know, go ahead, go ahead and go get Swayman as well, I think. And, and because, yeah, Swayman looks so, so good there in his, in his limited minutes that if if I if I want one of them, I want both of them. Yeah, I know they, they lost Krejci and that's probably going to influence their, their possession numbers. But I think, uh, you know, they were third fewest expected goals against and high danger attempts conceded last year. Like they've been historically a good defensive team. I think pretty much anyone that plays in that environment is going to post good numbers. And so, yeah, I, I like getting both of them and just locking down all 82 of those starts. It, acknowledging that it's not ideal that they're going to be playing Tampa Bay, Florida and Toronto in a bunch right. of those games. But um it's it's going to be a good team again, and I, I think for that price, uh, I'm into it. Um, all right, let's 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 rattle through some uh, some situations we're watching. I know we, we've already touched on a few of them, but um, Cam, are there any sort of uh, you know things you're waiting to see play out heading into the start of the regular season here in terms of like lineup battles or or, or depth charts that are still kind of in flux? Where you're like, I'm going to be waiting to see if this player actually gets to play in this role because if so, then I'm going to be really interested in them. Yeah. How much time do we got? I got a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll start at the top of my list and it's, and it's in TO with Nick Ritchie. Um, getting that, that gig on the first line is going to be all right if he can hold down on it. So it's a kid who went 10th overall hundred years ago to Anaheim, um, big body who has shown capable of having nice hands. He can play with skilled players and bring that sandpaper. So he's looking to try to replicate what Zach Hyman did, but in more of a, more in a meat and potatoes role, if he can hold that, that top line position, Obviously, at even strength, he's going to get some. He's going to get some points. Um, the big question is, is what Toronto's going to do with their power play units, right? Do they load up the big four with Riley? In which case, you only basically want those five guys. I think uh, if they split them up as they have done in the past, and they move Nylander, they move Tavares under the second unit, and all of a sudden Nick Ritchie's the net front on PP one. Oh boy! Now I'm now I'm really interested. Now this is a guy that could just kind of beat the beat the expectations by a mile for him. So that's definitely a situation I'm watching. What about you? 
crisp. Yeah, that's that's one that was on my radar. Bunting is another guy who could step up there and maybe get an opportunity, right? Toronto's pretty uh, weak on the left side. I thought you were going to bring up your Canucks. Where does uh, where does Garland fit in here, Connor? I mean, he's it seems like he's going to have a terrific center, whether it's Bo or Peterson, like or Pedersen. He's going to have one of those two next to him, and he's another guy that is probably in for a career season. I mean, twelve goals last year, twenty two the year before that. He's had at least twelve in his three seasons. I, he at sometimes he goes through these moments where he really shoots the puck a lot. And then other times he's, he's pretty quiet and you wonder if he even played in the game, but he does a great job. I find of finding those, you know, areas where he's kind of wide open in the, into the slot and he could work on the power play too. And sometimes on the half boards, uh, I'd like to get both of your guys' thoughts on him because I do feel like he's going to have a top six role, maybe not long-term, but I think right away in Vancouver. I think he's got it and I think he'll have it for a while too. And and I have that Vancouver's top line as a, as a, a situation to watch because Miller's played JT Miller's played the middle of the ice, the entire camp, all preseason game. He's been playing the middle of the ice. They talked about the potential of him being their quote unquote, third line center, or second line center, however you want to look at it. They'll, they'll just kind of mix and match that, that top nine up. And that means Garland's going to get a look on his off wing on the left side. And if it's next to Pedersen, like I fired up the hot take machine last month for an article. And I said, he's going to pop 40 if he can, if he can oh, land maybe. next to Pedersen. And it's like, what? This is a guy who's got a you know career high of whatever, 20 goals um, that if he could go off that it's, it's all about who's close to Elias Pedersen. Right. And, and if he's the guy that's playing there at even strength, then he could get a look on the power play as well. They, they could try to wedge him in there in a situation if they want to split up their top unit a little bit and try to spread out the offense. Um, there are situations where Connor Garland could be a really interesting player. He's he's one of these guys that kind of is a little reminiscent of Brad Marchand, that his his numbers are creeping up a little bit later in the career um, where he could be played at like a 65-point pace. Now we need to see him do it again, right? He's playing in a better situation. He's not going to get as many power play minutes in all likelihood, but at even strength, he's going to the talent to work with is, is going to be demonstrably better. So it, that's a fun one to watch for sure is how that Vancouver top nine shakes out and who gets the plum spot next to, next to Pedersen and, and Besser. Well, this worked out well because the name that I'm watching, and I, I love Garland, and I, I certainly think he's a good bet, and I, I'd like to invest in him, is Niels Hoglander just because... I know that early on in the preseason, this was before Pedersen was even signed, they, they were experimenting with the idea of playing him, of playing Hoglander with Pedersen and Besser. And I think stylistically, it makes a ton of sense because he's just got this relentless motor and just crashes the net at all times. And so he can win them some extra possessions. He can possibly, you know, drag some defenders with him to the net and create space for them to shoot. And so uh, I, he quietly led the lead, led the team in five on five goals last year with 12, uh, albeit, you know, Pedersen was injured for a bunch of it and it was a mess in Vancouver, but it was a great year one showing by all accounts. He's even faster heading into this season and clearly made that a priority in his, in his off season training. And so Hoglander is a player that I'm watching. Cause I think like his NHL talent is remarkable. He displayed some of those trademark hands in tight throughout the season, but I think he's got another gear to hit. And I kind of hope that they do give him a little bit of a shot there just because I'm, I'm curious to see how those talents line up. I think they will. I, like it's it's going to be a blender situation. I think you're going to see guys all over the lineup here. Like he could be on L three. He could be up there with, with PD two. You talk about like pure puck skills. Like Hoglanders, he he's in the top ten percent of the league. I think like he's got terrific hands too, and he drives play. Like he said, like the even strength scoring last year, but even just like his coursey numbers too. Like at five on five, I think he led the team in that category as well. Like he drives possession at a high high rate, and that's what you want. You want your good players to have the puck at a, at a high volume and. 
Hoglander definitely does that. So I could, I could see him being one of these guys that could break out too and, and play at above a 50 point pace. Situation I'm monitoring and we'll, and we'll put a ball on this conversation here is, is the Sharks top six, top six wing battle. Cause I think the names involved are incredibly fascinating to me. And it might become a moot point if Tom, Tomas Hurdle gets traded at some point, because then, uh, you know, playing with one of those top centers of theirs isn't necessarily as appealing, but right now we've got a battle between Jonathan Dolan, who came back from Europe and, and is wowing in camp. Rudolph's Balsers, the best name in town, and he was sneakily quite good last year. And William Eklund, who is, I think, a bit ahead of schedule. And Cam, you and I did a mock draft uh, in the summer, and I had him as my number one ranked prospect in this year's class. And I think the sky's the limit for him. I wasn't expecting to be having this conversation this quickly, but he's clearly proving that his talent is so immense that he's kind of forcing their hand and, and making them give him a, a scoring line role right out of the gate and see if he can stick. And so I'm really going to be watching that closely because obviously if Eklund proves that he's ready from day one, I think his potential is incredibly high and in a good situation for a team that's going to score a lot of goals. They're not going to be great necessarily in terms of winning games, but I think they're going to be playing in good scoring environments. And obviously if he plays with a guy like hurdle, for example, uh, it's a pretty good spot for him to start his NHL career. And yeah, Eklund a great for call. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Eklund for me was, he was clearly the guy from that 21 class that could break camp this year. Like he, you know, he's an older birth date. He just played in the SHL. So he's got the pro experience and you know, he's good. He's, he's very good. Um, and like you said, he's a bit ahead of schedule. I think he's, he's, he was supposed to give a good run at and making the team, but he's given a good run at being like a top line guy on this team. And then Darlene, like, right. Like that's, that's a really fun one because all this messy stuff that happened in Vancouver returned home to Sweden. You know, the rumors that he was like on the verge of retiring, that he just lost his love for the game refounded again with Timra playing in the second division in Sweden where everyone's like, why is this guy still playing in the second division, putting up like three points a game? Like this is bananas. And it's, you know, he wanted to get his club promoted. He did that. Now he's back. And he looks like he should be able to steal a top six job there. He's, he's a sneaky guy, especially because he's not very young. He's NHL. He's like, he's clearly NHL ready. He probably was two years ago. Um, so he's, he's definitely one that's probably going to slip under some draft radars this year and that you might be able to grab yourself a top six winger. Yeah, both of those guys are hardly getting drafted. I get shares of both um, and Darlene and Eklund. And he is, he, San Jose is kind of like Seattle in, a, in the point where, these guys are going to get an opportunity to play and the ice time is going to be there. There's go they're going to score goals. It's like when you're talking about Arizona and Chicker and like they're, they are going to score some goals in the NHL. And I'm looking at just ownerships on Yahoo. And obviously it's just the big three in terms of ownership and hurdle burns and, and Carlson. I don't even know if either of those defensemen have too much more to, uh, to offer from a fantasy standpoint. So these are guys that I think um, we'll be talking about in deeper leagues. They should be, they should be owned. Like it. All right, guys. Well, this was a blast. Uh, I think we covered some pretty good ground here and hopefully we provided some value to people who are getting ready for their drafts this weekend and, and heading into the season. Uh, we got two minutes here, so I'll let you go first, Chris, and then Cam, you can go after, plug some stuff. Uh, what have you been working on? Where can people check out your work? If you've got any tools that you'd recommend people check out uh, as they do prepare for the drafts. Yeah, we got a lot of content over at ftnfantasy.com. Just some rankings, some projections, uh, a lot of players that we've already talked uh, talked about here, but some breakout candidates, some busts, some sleepers, just uh, division previews. It's all there, and we're going to take care of the people over at FTN um, all year long with waiver wire articles, in-season rankings, things I like to look at, like four-game streams and stuff like that. Just you know, taking advantage of, of the NHL schedule if you're playing in head-to-head -head format. So a lot happening over at FTN, and appreciate the time here today, guys. 
Nice. Yeah. I was telling, uh, I was telling Dimitri off the air there is that I, I don't rarely do notes for podcasts anymore, but I, I did for this one and I got a whole bunch of words and a whole bunch of guys we didn't talk about. So I think I'm going to repackage this and put it out as an article for uh, EP rings out on uh, a glimpse into my mind, preparing for a, a fantasy podcast and getting ready for drafts. So uh, look out for that. I just dropped my top 150 uh, fantasy rankings the other day. Got a whole thread on the Twitter, hockey underscore Robinson, a, a bunch of good stuff if you're prepping for your fantasy drafts this weekend or early next week ahead of uh, puck drop here. So lots of good stuff. EP ringside is just blowing it out right now. Hey, Dim, like we've got crazy amounts of content yep. too. So you definitely check that out for fantasy and for real life stuff. All right, man. Well, this is a blast. I'm glad we uh, we got to do this. Good luck to everyone this season with their drafts and their teams. And we'll uh, we'll have you back both back on the show sometime down the road, and we'll check in with this stuff. So uh, until then, take care and enjoy your drafts, and uh, and we'll chat soon. But all right, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Hockey PDO Cast. As always, thanks to everyone for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed today's show. If you did, uh, and you want to give us some love, please consider doing so by leaving a quick little rating and review. A lot of you have done so already. and It's greatly appreciated. It's so easy to do. You just smash that five-star button. And if you're feeling extra generous and you have some extra time, you can write up a little review that lets people know either what you enjoy about the show or why you recommend checking it out. And each of those recommendations and reviews is greatly appreciated and helps us a lot. So thank you for doing that. Uh, if you listen to today's show and you got kind of inspired and you want to you want to test uh, your might in, in fantasy hockey and you want to play this year, uh, let me recommend Underdog, which is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. There, you can join a league, you draft a squad in minutes, and that's it. You don't have to worry about that weekly grind or even daily grind of setting your lineup each day and kind of worrying about it because Underdog just does it all for you by giving you your best score each week. And if you let them know we sent you by using the promo code PDO. Once you make your first deposit $10, they're actually just going to double that up for you by giving you a free $10 in bonus cast to play with. And the reason why that's useful is because they currently have their best puck classic fantasy hockey tournament going right now. So how that works is you basically just enter for $10. There's $25,000 in total prizes. You draft uh, a 16-player team. With 12 teams drafting alongside you, you draft one center, two wings, one defenseman, one goalie, one flex, and then 10 bench spots. And then as the year goes along, you they give you the optimal score from your entire team to fill the starting roster each week of the season. So you don't have any work to do after you draft the team. So basically, you can use a lot of the insight that we gave you on today's show, pick your 16 favorite players there, fill out a team, and then just see how it goes all year with them and hope that you pick the right players so the tournament's about 30 percent filled right now and it closes uh right before puck drop on october 12th so you still have some time after listening to this to go do that so just go to underdogfantasy.com let them know we sent you by using the promo code pdo and you'll get signed up and then you can enter that tournament and have some fun and pick some players and enjoy the season in a new capacity so i highly recommend doing that if uh if you are into fantasy hockey or if you've been thinking to do so but just don't have a league to join that's the best place to get started so that's gonna be it for today's show thanks for listening and we're hopefully gonna be back here soon with a bunch more content as we get into the start of the regular season so until then Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.